نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما حديث نمبر 253 We were studying the باب باب الغسل بالصاعي ونحوه When it comes to taking the bath, the ghusl, how much water should be used? The masnoon way is that a sar should be used. And how much is a sar? About 6 to 8 liters of water. Meaning this much water is necessary for taking ghusl. This is what it means. If you use less than this amount, then that would not be enough. Alright, so this much is, you can say the bare minimum. And beyond that, can a person use more than a sar? Yes, he can. However, he should be careful. Because then it might end up in israf. So the first hadith that we studied under this chapter heading was about Aisha anha, where her brother came and asked her about the ghusl of the Prophet ﷺ. And when he didn't seem convinced that this much water was sufficient, she proved it to him through her action. That it is sufficient, you can easily take a bath with this much water. And we see that the companions who were close to the Prophet ﷺ, who knew that this was the amount of water that he used for ghusl, They were so particular about this amount that if anyone said, that, oh, this is not sufficient, the Sahaba would actually get a little upset. I mean, you can see from the reaction of Aisha radiallahu anha, you know, she's being so daring that you think this is not sufficient? I can prove it to you that it is sufficient. And likewise, in the following hadith also, we will see that the Sahaba were very particular. So many times it happens that the shaitan puts waswasa in our head, that no way, this much water is not enough for me. But... it is sufficient. We can actually bathe ourselves with this much water. And it may have happened with you sometimes that you have less water. Like you could be in a place where you're taking a shower with, you know, let's say a bucket full of water and uh, you realize that it is sufficient. It is possible. That we're just used to a very luxurious way of life, which is why we keep using more and more. But when we have less, then we make do with whatever we have. It may happen with you that you're getting no hot water in your house for whatever reason. Maybe your you know, gas is not coming or whatever. And you have to heat up water in kettles or on the stove. So how much water do you use then? A limited amount. So we can use a limited amount of water. It's just about convincing yourself. It's about making up your mind. And accepting that it is enough. So let's read the hadith. حدثنا عبد الله بن محمد قال حدثنا يحيى بن آدم قال حدثنا زهير عن أبي إسحاق قال حدثنا أبو جعفر أبو جعفر he narrated that أنه كان عند جابر بن عبد الله that he was with جابر بن عبد الله الأنصاري the companion of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم so Abu Ja'far was with him. هو he meaning he himself Abu Ja'far was with him وأبوه and also his father. So the father of Abu Ja'far was also there. And who was the father of Abu Ja'far? Ali bin Hussein. And these are from the children from the progeny of Ali radiallahu anhu. So they were with Jabir ibn Abdullah. وَعِنْدَهُ قَوْمٌ And with him were some other people as well. So basically it was a group of people sitting with Jabir ibn Abdullah and Abu Ja'far was there as well as his father. فَسَأَلُوهُ عَنِ الْغُسْلِ So they asked him about ghusl. فَقَالَ So he said, يَكْفِيكَ صَاعٌ A sa' should be enough for you. Meaning this much amount should be enough for you when taking a bath. فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ So a man said, مَا يَكْفِينِ It is not enough for me. Meaning there is no way I can take a bath with just this much water. فَقَالَ جَابِرٌ So Jabir replied, 
كَانَ يَكْفِي It was enough. For who? Man for the one who huwa awfa minka sha'aran who was more full than you in hair meaning who had thicker hair than you have wa khayrun minka and he was also better than you meaning the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used only a sar of water his hair was much thicker and he was better than you in his action he was more god fearing so if this much water was enough for him it should be enough for you too ثُمَّ أَمَّنَا فِي ثَوْبٍ And then he led us all in prayer. أَمَّنَا from, from Imam. Okay. So he led us all in prayer, فِي ثَوْبٍ meaning in a single cloth. Meaning he was just wearing one piece of garment that was covering his body. He wasn't wearing two pieces or three pieces, just one. And in that one garment, he led all of us in prayer. Because that one garment would be long enough to cover his body, his awrah, all the body parts that need to be covered by a man when he's praying. So in this hadith, what do we see? That asar is definitely enough for taking a bath. And this means that when a person has little water, as much as asar, then he should take a bath. Because sometimes, because a person should not think that I don't have that much water, so therefore I should just do tayammum. No. If you have asar, then you have to take a bath. You have to figure out how to. And unless you do it, you don't know. So you have to give it a try. That we see that the Prophet ﷺ, yes, he had thicker hair. And Aisha ﷺ, as a woman, definitely she would have longer hair too. So she also proved it that you can take a bath with a sar. And you know that for ghusl of janaba, washing the entire hair is not necessary, but the scalp is necessary. But the thicker the hair, that means the more water you have to use to wet the scalp. So the Prophet ﷺ, he used a sar. So it should be enough for us as well. This teaches us a very important lesson that many times when we learn about a sunnah, we think, oh, I can't do it. There's no way. Like, for example, when it comes to miswag, just yesterday I was having a conversation with someone and we were talking about how, you know, for some of us it can get very difficult to only use a miswag, that we feel that our mouth is not clean, that we have to use something else. So again, when I started using miswag regularly, I would remind myself that if the Prophet ﷺ can do it, I can do it too. And I have seen people who use only miswag. Only miswak. But the thing is that when it comes to using miswak, you have to use it not just once in the morning and once at bedtime. No, you have to use it throughout the day, quite frequently. And if you do it with every salah, it is good. And you have to do it properly as well. So once you learn to do it properly, then it is definitely enough for you. Likewise, when it comes to ghusl, using a sar of water, yes, it seems impossible, but once you figure out how to use that much water, then it is sufficient. It is enough. And you see, our deen is so practical, so practical, that even where water is scarce, still you can take a bath. Still you can take ghusl. And we see that many parts of the world, water is not readily available. And even if it is, you don't have that luxury of hot water, endless, and endless amounts of hot water. Likewise, even living in Western countries, in developed countries, you do end up in situations where you don't have much water. So a person should be equipped for Every situation. MashaAllah, she's saying that once she had to take a bath like this with just a bucket of water with four or five small jugs of water, she managed to wash all of her head and her hair. So it is possible. And also remember that the purpose of the ghusl of Janaba is not necessarily to clean the body. Okay, because the body may already be clean. Alright, the body may already be clean. So the purpose of this ghusl is not to really clean the body. 
And also remember that the believer does not become impure. So the purpose of this ghusl is to cool down the body, to get out of that state of desire so that a person can focus on other things. So it is basically a spiritual state, a spiritual state of cleanliness, you can say, that you have to obtain through this path. And for that, the use of water is necessary. And even a little bit of water should be sufficient. حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا ابن عيينة عن عمر عن جابر بن زيد عن ابن عباس أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وميمونة that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and ميمونة رضي الله عنها his wife كان they both used to يغتسلان they would take a bath من إناء واحد from one container both of them used to take a bath from the same container قال أبو عبد الله Abu Abdullah, meaning Imam Bukhari, he said, Kana ibn Uyayna, ibn Uyayna, meaning the narrator, Yaqulu akhiran, he would say in the later stages, An ibn Abbasin, an Maymuna, from Abbas, from Maymuna, meaning he would narrate this from Maymuna. Was sahihu ma rawa Abu Nu'aym, and the correct is what Abu Nu'aym has narrated, meaning that Ibn Abbas is the one who narrated. So anyway, in this hadith, what do we see? That the bath was performed by both from the same bucket, Okay, from the same vessel. The ina that they would use were small. So when they were small, that means they could not contain a lot of water. And if both were taking a bath at the same time from the same bucket, then obviously, how much water would they be using? Limited quantity. So in the chapter heading, Imam Bukhari writes, Sa'r wa nahwihi, using the amount of sa'r and its like. So sa'r is proven with the previous ahadith and nahwihi, is proven by this hadith. That it's not necessary that it has to be a sar of water that a person uses. More or less, it's okay. Around that much water. But the point is that a person can use even a little bit of water for taking this ghusl. But the bare minimum is how much? Sar. Okay, a little more or less. Bab man afada ala ra'sihi thalathan. The one who afada, meaning he poured, ala ra'sihi on his head thalathan three times. The one who poured water on his head three times. Why? Why three times? To ensure that the entire head gets wet. The scalp, okay? The entire head gets wet. And why three times and not four? Witr. Allah, yuhibbul witr. Allah loves witr. And the other witr would be one, but we know that Pouring once is not sufficient, and three times is just enough. This is just like when a person only wipes himself after using the washroom, which we learned about in Kitab al-Wudu, that there are three ways of cleaning oneself after using the washroom. One is just wiping, the other is just washing, and the other is wiping and washing. So when a person is just wiping, then how many, let's say, rocks or whatever he should use? Odd number. With it, Remember? And we know that three is the bare minimum. One is not allowed because the Prophet ﷺ did not allow the Sahaba to use only one rock or whatever to wipe themselves with. It had to be three times, bare minimum. Beyond that, up to you. But three is the bare minimum. So if you are ever in a situation where you don't have access to water and you're only wiping yourself, then you have to wipe yourself at least how many times? Three times. So similarly, when it comes to washing the head, how many times should the water be poured on the head? A minimum of three times. That is the masnoon way and that is the better way. حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا زهير عن أبي إسحاق قال حدثني سليمان بن صرد 
قال حدثني جبير بن مطعم قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اما انا as for myself فافيض على راسي ثلاثا then i pour on myself on my head three times meaning three handfuls of water he would pour on his head واشار and he indicated بيديه with his hands كلتيهما both of them meaning he pointed with both his hands that i pour three handfuls of water okay on my head now his statement was perhaps an answer to a question that was asked that how much water should be used so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave his own example said with his mentioned his own action that this is what i do that i use three handfuls of water to wash my head with and we learn a very important lesson from this as well that one is that we just teach people that this is the way this is the way this is the way but when you say this is what i do then people can kind of relate people can feel that it is possible so sometimes if you give a personal example to someone what's the benefit that people feel that this is applicable in life right if one person can do it we can do it too so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned his own way that i pour three handfuls on myself so that means we can also do it حدثنا محمد بن بشار قال حدثنا غندر قال حدثنا شعبه عن مخول بن راشد عن محمد بن علي عن جابر بن عبد الله قال هي سد كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يفرغ على راسه ثلاثا he said jabir ibn abdullah said that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would pour on his head three times now remember that this is masnoon not wajib so let's say if a person poured three times but then he felt that a part of the head is still dry then what should he do four fourth time but make it with the so fifth time as well okay so this is masnoon now these days when you're standing under a shower head then what do you do huh how can we follow the sunnah because why should we be deprived just because we have shower heads yes you can just put your hands under the under the running water take a handful pour in your head you know three times you can do that somebody just mentioned to me that this is what they do that they take the water in their hands and then they pour so this is we can also follow the sunnah today inshallah حدثنا ابو نعيم قال حدثنا معمر بن يحيى بن سام حدثني ابو جعفر قال قال لي جابر So Abu Jafar he said that Jabir said to me Qala li Jabir atani ibn ammik the son of your uncle meaning your cousin he came to me So Jabir radhiyallahu anhu he said to Abu Jafar that your cousin came to me yu'arridu and he was hinting at bil Hasan bin Muhammad bin Al-Hanafiyah He was hinting that Hassan bin Muhammad bin Hanafiya he came to me you understand no okay haddathani abu jafar abu jafar is the one who's narrating this qala he said meaning abu jafar said qala li jabir that jabir said to me what did he say to me that atani ibn ammik atani he came to me who ibn son of ammik your paternal uncle okay so the son of your uncle and who's that your cousin that your cousin came to me and yu'arridu he was hinting at bil hasan bin muhammad bin hanafiya so he didn't say that hasan bin muhammad came to me instead what did he say your cousin came to me qala and he said kayfa al ghuslu how is the ghusl min al janaba from janaba meaning hasan bin muhammad he asked me o oh, abu jafar that how 
should the ghusl from janaba be taken kayfa alghuslu min aljanaba faqultu so i replied to him and who is saying this jabir radhiyallahu anhu that i answered him that kana nabiy sallallahu alayhi wasallam ya'khudhu he would take thalathata akuffin three handfuls wa yufidhuha ala ra'sihi and he would pour it on his head he would take three handfuls of water and pour them on his head thumma yufidhu then he would pour meaning pour water ala sa'iri jasadihi upon his entire body so he would pour three handfuls of water on his head and then he would pour water on the rest of his body this was the way that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to perform ghusl faqala li alhasan jabir he said that hasan meaning your cousin he said to me inni rajulun indeed i am a man kathiru shar who has a lot of hair i have thick hair so using three handfuls of water is not sufficient for me faqultu so i said to him kana nabiy sallallahu alaihi wasallam اكثر منك شعرا the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was more than you in hair meaning he had thicker hair so we see that no matter who asked him about the ghusl of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam about the amount of water this was his response he was very firm about this was the amount of water that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used and this should be sufficient for us as well and just to tell you who hasan bin muhammad bin al hanafiya is Muhammad bin Al-Hanafiya was actually the son of Ali radhiyallahu anhu. Okay, he was Muhammad bin Ali radhiyallahu anhu. But he got known as Muhammad bin Al-Hanafiya. Why? Because Al-Hanafiya was his mother, you can say. She was from the Sabi, meaning the war captives of the tribe of Banu Hanifa. So Ali radhiyallahu anhu, he married her. But their son, Muhammad, he got to be known as Muhammad bin Hanafiya. not that a person should be named after their mother but this is just how he became famous he was known as muhammad bin ali as well but this is how he was identified as well so this was muhammad bin hanafiya the son of ali radhiyallahu anhu and his son was hasan his son was hasan so no matter who it was even from the children of the companions who were related to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam directly or indirectly okay through whatever way Still we see that the rest of the companions were so firm that no this was the way the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did ghusl and it should be enough for you too so then who are we really who are we we aren't any special people that we think that no no we have to use more the masnoon way is that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would first dip his fingers into the water and then wet the scalp okay when you do that you're creating pathways in a way through your hair so that when you will pour water it will automatically reach the scalp But when those ways are not created then what will happen you pour water but it will fall off from your hair you can use a bucket of water even but it won't be sufficient if you don't use the proper technique okay so the technique is what the sunna teaches us and this proves to us that purification is obtained through this much water meaning three handfuls the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was most knowledgeable of people the most amal meaning his amal was the best he was most fearful of people and when he considered using three handfuls to be sufficient then this much water should be enough for us and the point over here is that if a person feels that it is not enough then he should not pay any attention to such thoughts why because this is the waswasa of shaitan to make our ghusl difficult and to deprive us from following the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam really we are being deprived of the reward 
Think about it. How often does a per- person take a bath? I mean, almost every day, right? And if we, even normal baths, if a person takes in this way, the way that the Prophet ﷺ would take a bath, then imagine how much reward he can be receiving. But we are deprived of this great reward because we feel that we can't do it. So this is something that we should develop a habit of as well. Also remember that using excessive amounts of water, is that good for the skin? Okay, it's not good for the environment. Yes, you're not following the sunnah, but is that good for the skin? It's not even good for the skin. Yes, it dries out the skin. We see that following the sunnah is definitely good. Okay, I'm not saying don't use shampoo, don't use soap. No, use it. But be careful about the use of water. Okay, be more efficient. Then when you will use limited amount of water, then you will know that I can't take a handful of shampoo. I only need as much as is enough for my hair. Bab al-ghusli marratan wahidatan. Ghusli meaning washing once. Meaning, ghusl over here refers to washing the rest of the body. So when it comes to washing the head, how many times should the water be poured? Three times. When it comes to washing the rest of the body, then how many times should the water be poured in the body? Once is sufficient. It is enough. حدثنا موسى قال حدثنا عبد الواحد عن الأعمش عن سالم بن أبي الجعدي عن كريب عن ابن عباس قال قالت ميمونة ابن عباس he said that ميمونة رضي الله عنها she said وضعت للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ماء I put meaning I placed some water for who for the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم للغسل for the bath so how did he take a bath فغسل يديه مرتين أو ثلاثا then he washed his hands twice or thrice. And then he poured water on his left hand. Meaning he took some water from his right hand and poured it onto his left hand. So he took the water in his left hand basically. But he didn't scoop the water with his left hand. He scooped it with the right hand. After pouring the water in the left hand, Then he washed his private part. Because the private part should be washed with the left hand. ثُمَّ مَسَحَ يَدَهُ بِالْأَرْضِ Then he wiped his hand on the ground. ثُمَّ مَضْمَضَ And then he rinsed his mouth. وَاسْتَنْشَقَ And he sniffed up water in his nose and he blew that out. Meaning he cleaned his mouth as well as his nose. وَغَسَلَ وَجْهَهُ وَيَدَيْهِ And he washed his face and hands. ثُمَّ أَفَاضَ And then he poured عَلَى جَسَدِهِ Upon his entire body. Meaning he poured water on the rest of the body. How many times? Just once. ثُمَّ تَحَوَّلَ And then he moved aside مِمَّ كَانِهِ From his place, meaning from the spot where he was taking a bath, he moved aside and then فَغَسَلَ قَدَمَيْهِ And then he washed his feet at the end. So what do we see here? That the Prophet ﷺ poured water on his body only once. And we see that after washing the private part with the left hand, he wiped his hand on mud. Why? In order to clean the hand. Because we know that the earth is also a means of purification. In fact, sand or clay, mud, it actually purifies really well. Right? Which is why you have these fancy clay masks. Why? Because they extract impurities from the skin. So we see that clay is something that purifies. So where a person does not have access to soap, can he use clay or mud to clean the hand? To remove the germs? Yes. To remove the impurities? Definitely. We were at the beach once and uh, there was a small party over there too. So everybody was eating. Not here. Uh, this was in Pakistan. And they had these huge dishes that they had to wash. And they just took the sand and they washed the dishes with that. And the dishes were clean, absolutely clean. 
And I've noticed myself also that every time you go to the beach and you actually take your socks off, meaning you walk on the sand, you come back and your feet are so clean. You just have to moisturize them really well. But otherwise, you're so clean. So we see that sand, mud, this is also a means of purification. And it purifies really, really well. So the Prophet ﷺ cleaned his hand on the mud. And this teaches us that after washing the private part, a person must clean his hands thoroughly. Even before touching the rest of the body. A person might say, well, I'm taking a bath. No, even before touching the rest of the body. Still, before touching anything else, one should wash the hands. And a person should use something else along with water. And if a person does not have anything available, then at least washing a couple of times. At that time, water was scarce, which is why perhaps it was easier to use the mud. But if you have soap, good. If you don't have it, then at least wash a couple of times to ensure that the hand is clean before touching anything else. And this hadith also proves the necessity of rinsing the mouth and cleaning the nose in ghusl. This was the way of the Prophet ﷺ. There are different ways, right? In some hadith we learned that he did wudu first and then he poured water in the rest of the body. When he did wudu, he must have cleaned his mouth and nose. And then when he washed the rest of the body, it's not a problem if something like such as the arm, if it was washed early, if it's washed again, there's no harm. So we see that in some hadith, wudu is mentioned clearly. And in other hadith, wudu is not mentioned. So this is another proof which means that wudu is not a part of ghusl. And we see that in the hadith that we learned previously, which is 257. Jabir ibn Abdullah, he was describing the ghusl of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, يَأْخُذُ ثَلَاثَةَ أَكُفٍ وَيُفِيضُهَا عَلَى رَأْسِهِ ثُمَّ يُفِيضُ عَلَى سَائِرِ جَسَدِهِ There's no mention of wudu. The only thing that's mentioned is that he would pour water in his head three times and on his body once. So this is another evidence that wudu is not a part of ghusl. It is better to perform ghusl that way because it's more efficient and uh, and perhaps it was the way that the Prophet ﷺ did ghusl most of the time. Okay, But it's not necessary. Every detail is not mentioned in every hadith. This is why we look at different hadith to learn about the various details. Because the people who are narrating the hadith, they were also human beings, right? So perhaps they forgot to mention one detail. Or perhaps they thought it was understood. Or they didn't remember one thing. Allahu alam. Bab man bada'a bil hilabi aw inda al-ghusli. Chapter, man, the one who bada'a, he began, meaning he began the ghusl, bil hilab, by using a milk pot. Aw or a tib fragrance inda al-ghusl at the time of taking ghusl. Hilab is a big vessel in which camel milk is kept. So basically it is a milk pot. Now a camel is a huge animal. And if you're milking the camel, definitely a lot of milk is going to come out. Have you ever seen a camel being milked? I saw a camel being milked recently. It was amazing how so quickly two liters of milk were extracted. Two liters. I mean, I was shocked. And just because we were buying two liters, that's why the man stopped. He was actually selling milk and fresh milk he was selling. Like you come, stop, and then... He would bring the baby camel and the baby camel would nurse a little bit and then they would remove the baby camel and they would milk the camel and liters and liters of milk are coming out. So imagine if you've milked the camel once, where would you store it? In a huge pot. Okay, so anyway, it's a pot, a milk pot that can contain a lot of liquid. So this is what a hilab is. And tib, you know, is fragrance. This chapter heading, many have found this chapter heading to be confusing and some have found this to be a little ambiguous, unclear. However, Ibn Hajar, he gave a very good explanation to this chapter heading, which is that 
this chapter heading what this means is man bada bil hilab beginning ghusl by hilab meaning by using a milk pot meaning asking for a water container for the purpose of ghusl so in other words beginning ghusl by using water only directly why would a person ask for a pot to be brought so that he can use the water so in other words a person took a bath how by using water directly he did not use any fragrance he did not use any soap nothing at all he got right to the water is this acceptable yes this is perfectly fine aw or atibi what does it mean by atibi meaning man bada bi atibi or the one who started ghusl by using tib first so there are two masnoon ways one is that you start using the water immediately you start with the water and the other way is that first you put fragrance and then you wash the body then you do the ghusl and the part about hilab about using water directly that is mentioned under this chapter heading but about using fragrance first that's not mentioned under this chapter heading but there are many a hadith which will come later on in this kitab that will prove that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used fragrance before ghusl So they're not mentioned under this heading but the hadith that will come later will prove this. حدثنا محمد بن المثنى قال حدثنا ابو عاصم عن حنظله عن القاسم عن عائشه قالت she said كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا وان اغتسل من الجنابه when he would take a bath from janaba da'a he would ask for bishay'in with something نحو الحلاب like hilab meaning like a milk pot meaning he would ask for water to be brought. you know in something like a milk pot in something you know that was a a big enough vessel to contain some water and then fa akhadha bi kaffihi and then he would take with his hand fa bada'a bi shiqqi ra'sihi and then he would begin by the side of his head which side al ayman the right thumma then al aysar the left fa qala qala over here gives the meaning of daraba meaning that he would strike bihima with both of them ala ra'sihi on his head So basically in this hadith what do we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he would take a bath he would ask for a container to be brought meaning he would ask for water and then he would start bathing immediately without using any kind of fragrance or anything this was also his practice and this means that it is okay to use soap and it's okay to not use soap but if there is impurity then you have to use either a lot of water or some soap Likewise it's okay to use shampoo and it's also okay to not use shampoo meaning your ghusl is valid that's the point i mean you might not like it that's different but is your ghusl valid yes it is can you pray in that state yes you can you know it's possible that a person has very little time left before the time of salah ends he doesn't have time to use soap to use shampoo to use an exotic shower gel whatever so to speed it up if he leaves out the soap if he leaves out the fragrance is that okay yes but is it not better to use fragrance yes why because then you feel cleaner you feel fresher you can actually concentrate more in your salah in your ibada so definitely the use of fragrance is good in whatever form it may be we're getting ready to meet somebody we like to put fragrance in our body so likewise when we are getting ready to pray then at that time also the body should smell good so you know use tib as well as a part of ghusl in whatever form it may be the more the better and another thing that we learn over here is that when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam washed his head 
How did he do it? He started washing the right side first and then the left side. When it comes to wiping the head in wudu, do you wipe the right side first and the left side after that? No. It's both the parts, both the sides together. But when it comes to ghusl, why right side first and left side after? Like for example, when you're making the roots wet, when you're making the scalp wet, begin from the right side. When you're done the whole right side, then do the left side. Or if you're washing your hair, part your hair for example, wash the right side first and then the left side. Why like that? Why begin with the right? Why begin with the right? Remember Aisha radiallahu she said that the Prophet used to like to do things from his right side. We learned this hadith in Kitab al-Wudu. So even when we're combing our hair or straightening our hair, whatever, we should begin with the right side first. What's the benefit in doing one side first and then the other side? It's more thorough, right? Better cleaning. So there's also benefit in that. Bab al-madmadati wal-istinshaqi fil-janaba. Rinsing the mouth and cleaning the nose by sniffing up and blowing out the water in janaba, meaning for the ghusl of janaba. According to some scholars, this is wajib in ghusl. In wudu, is it wajib? It's sunnah, right? But according to other scholars, it is wajib. We learned about it in Kitab al-Wudu, right? That's because it's not mentioned in the Quran, cleaning the mouth and cleaning the nose. Some scholars consider it to be sunnah, and others said that it is wajib, because the Prophet ﷺ always did it. But when it comes to the bath, the ghusl of janaba, then according to the majority of the scholars, this is something that is wajib. It is necessary. Which is why if a person forgets to do it, then according to some, he has to repeat the ghusl. And according to others, he doesn't have to because it is not wajib. So whatever you follow, that's what you do. Okay, whatever you believe in, that's what you do. Not that, okay, if you forget, then you say, okay, but some scholars say it's not a problem. Then you switch, no. Make up your mind and, and adhere to it. حدثنا عمر بن حفص بن غياث قال حدثنا أبي حدثنا الأعمش قال حدثني سالم عن كريب عن ابن عباس قال حدثتنا ميمونة He said that ميمونة رضي الله عنها she narrated to us So many hadith ابن عباس is narrating from ميمونة Why? She was his aunt قالت she said صببت للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم غسلا صببت I poured some water for who? For the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم But the word that is used for water is غسل why? Because the word ghusl, I mentioned to you earlier, is also used for the water that is used for bathing. So she said, I poured some water for his ghusl. فَأَفْرَغَ Then he poured بِيَمِينِهِ with his right hand عَلَى يَسَارِهِ on his left hand. Meaning he took some water from his right hand and poured it onto his left. And then فَغَسَلَهُمَا And then he washed both of them. So he took the water with the right, poured it on the left and washed the hands. ثُمَّ غَسَلَ فَرْجَهُ and then he washed his private part. Summa then, qala biyadihi al-arda. Qala again gives the meaning of daraba, meaning he struck. He struck meaning he pat his hand on the ground. Famasahaha bitturab. And then he wiped it with mud, meaning he cleaned his hand with mud. Summa ghasalaha. And then he washed it, meaning he washed the hand again. So after rubbing it on mud, he rinsed the hand. This is just like after putting soap, what do you do? You rinse the hand. Summa then, تَمَضْمَضَ وَاسْتَنْشَقَ Then he rinsed his mouth and cleaned his nose. ثُمَّ غَسَلَ وَجْهُ And then he washed his face. وَأَفَاضَ عَلَى رَأْسِهِ And then he poured water on his head. ثُمَّ تَنَحَّى And then he moved aside. فَغَسَلَ قَدَمَيْهِ And then he washed both his feet. ثُمَّ أُتِيَ بِمِنْدِيلِ And then he was brought a mindil. What is a mindil? Something like a towel. 
فلم ين فطبیہ بٹ ہی ڈڈ ناٹ وائپ ہم سیلف ود اٹ ہی لیٹ ہم سیلف ایئر ڈرائی سو ان دس حدیث واٹ ڈو وی سی دٹ دا پروفیٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ہی رینج ہز ماؤس اینڈ آلسو کلین ہز نوز جسٹ ایز یو ڈو ان ودو ہی ڈڈ اٹ فار غسل اینڈ دیر آر اے نمبر آف احادیث دیٹ مینشن دس ٹو اس اوکے دیٹ مینشن دس دیٹ ہی کلین ہز ماؤتھ اینڈ ہز نوز سو دس از وائی دا میجورٹی آف دا اسکالر دس از واجب فار دا غسل آف جنابا One more thing that we see here is that the Prophet ﷺ poured water on his head, meaning the head was not wiped. In wudu, what do you do? You wipe the head. But in ghusl, you don't wipe. You don't need to wipe. What do you do? You pour water on the head. Because what's the point of wiping? You actually, you have to wash the head. In wudu, the purpose is different. And in ghusl, the purpose is different, which is why the action will be different as well. And then, we also learn over here that the Prophet ﷺ did not use a towel to wipe himself. Why? There could be various reasons. One could be that, you know, when a person washes himself, like for example, he's doing wudu, then with the last drop of water that falls from the body, sins also fall down, right? So he wanted as much drops of water to fall down as possible. And the other could be that, you know, he just didn't prefer to use a towel because you know what kind of weather is of Arabia. So in such places, you want to remain cool for as long as possible. And if you dry yourself up, then your body will also warm up very quickly. But if you let it stay wet for some time, then you will remain cooler for longer. But don't become sick, okay, in following the sunnah in this country in, in the winter. But you say, no, the Prophet ﷺ did not use towels. So I'm not going to use towel either. No, we see that he did not prefer to use it. But if you need to use it, there is no harm. But the point over here is that if you are ever in a situation where the towel is not absolutely dry or you don't find a towel, then please relax. Don't create a fuss. Don't be upset. Because sometimes it happens that if we are in a place and we don't find paper towel or anything to wipe our hands with, we get really worried. Don't worry. It's only hands. They're only wet. It's only water. It will dry. Bab mashil yadi bitturabi لِيَكُونَ أَنْقَى مَسْحِ الْيَدْ Wiping the hand بِالتُرَاب with mud Meaning wiping, rubbing the hands with earth Why? لِيَكُونَ أَنْقَى So that they can be cleaner In order to make them more clean Meaning hands will be clean after you use water But if you use something else Then the hands will be even more clean Likewise the rest of the body If you use water only Yes your body will be clean But if you use something else as well Okay, like soap or shampoo or whatever, then your body will be cleaner. Okay, so the cleaner you are, the better it is. The more fragrant you are, the better it is. حدثنا الحميدي قال حدثنا سفيان قال حدثنا الأعمش عن سالم بن أبي الجعد عن كريب عن ابن عباس عن ميمونة أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اغتسل من الجنابة. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم took a bath from Janaba, meaning he took a bath of Janaba. فَغَسَلَ فَرْجَهُ بِيَدِهِ Then he washed his private part with his hand. ثُمَّ دَلَكَ بِهَا And then he rubbed it, meaning he rubbed the hand, الْحَائِطَ On the wall. Okay, and the wall must be of mud. Okay. ثُمَّ غَسَلَهَا And then he washed it. So after rubbing the hand on mud, then he rinsed the hand. ثُمَّ تَوَضَّأَ وُضُوءَهُ لِلصَّلَاةِ Then he performed wudu just like his wudu for salah. فَلَمَّا فَرَغَ مِنْ غُسْلِهِ غَسَلَ رِجْلَيْهِ And then when he was done from his ghusl, at the end he washed his feet. Improper washing of the hands. Is that a problem? 
Yes, it can cause many diseases, right? It can cause a lot of problems. So it's necessary that after using the bathroom, hands are washed properly. But even when a person cleans his private part, whether it is in a ghusl, he should, or something else, he should still wash his hands. We also see in this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ washed his feet at the end. This hadith mentions it, at, and many other hadith that we have read so far also mention this. Therefore, make it a point to rinse the feet before stepping out of the shower. Meaning at the end of the bath, make sure that you rinse the feet. You can wash the feet in the sink as well after stepping out. But the reason why, like I mentioned earlier, the reason why the Prophet ﷺ would step away was why? Because either there would be a puddle of water, or because the mud would be wet and sticky. So let's say you're taking a shower, all the water has gone down the drain. There's no soap, no scum, nothing. The tub or whatever, the shower area is clean. So at the end, can you just take the shower head and, and spray the water directly on your feet? Yes, you can do that. Or can you wash the feet with the tap? Yes, you can do that. But the last thing that you do before ending the shower should be washing the feet. Because this is masnoon. Because even if let's say the, the ground where you're standing, the place where you're standing is clean, there could be something on your foot. Even though a lot of water has, has, has been washed away, it could be something you know between your toes or under your foot or something. So make sure you lift up your foot a little bit at least and rinse it thoroughly. But this is not tayammum. You could be in a situation where you don't have access to soap, so make sure that you clean the hands with mud. And mud, really, when you touch it, when you rub it on your hands, your hands feel clean. They really do. Unfortunately, the kind of lifestyle we live, we don't touch mud, we don't touch sand, we say dirty. I mean, look at the word dirty. It's from dirt. And what is dirt? Mud. It's something that is considered unclean. Whereas it is actually clean and purifying. And it's good for you. Even over here, you could go to a park and when you use the washrooms, there's no soap over there. What are you going to do? Get some mud from under the tree or whatever and clean your hand. Sand, it's actually good for children to play with too. I mean, in schools, we see that there are sandboxes and things like that so that kids can actually play with sand. It strengthens your immunity as well, right? So it's good for the body. It's good for the skin. The Arabs would send their children off to the desert. Why? So that they would be healthier because life in Arabia is not easy. So they would expose them to the desert life so that their bodies would be stronger. They could survive in that harsh climate. So... Likewise, we have to expose ourselves to these natural things as well so that our bodies are stronger. And we see that the more we clean ourselves, the kind of cleanliness that we think is cleanliness, the more sick we are becoming. If you think about it, all these skin problems and allergies and so on, this is a result of what? Of overprotectiveness. Bab, hal yudkhilul junubu yadahu fil inai? Hal may, meaning can a junub person Enter his hand in a container, meaning in, in the container of water. Can he put his hand in the water directly? قَبْلَ before أَنْ يَغْسِلَهَا Before he actually washed it. إِذَا لَمْ يَكُنْ عَلَى يَدِهِ قَذَرٌ غَيْرُ الْجَنَابَ When there is no impurity on his hand, except for janaba. Meaning, if the hand of the junub person is clean, there is no impurity on it. Okay, it's actually clean. Can he put his hand into the water or no? He can. Meaning, just the state of Janaba, being in the state of Janaba, does not make the body of the Junub person unclean. 
Just because a person is in the state of Janaba does not mean that his body is unclean. He can put his hand in water. She can cook. A person can shake his hands with someone. A person can walk through the masjid according to the majority of the scholars. I mean, the body is not unclean. Because it is, you can say, the najasa, the, the impurity is just hukmi. It's not lahiri. Okay, it's just in hukum, meaning that, that a person has to take a bath. It's not that the body is unclean. It is still clean. Now we see that some scholars do not allow the jinnu person to put his hand in water before washing it because according to them, the water would become unclean then. Okay, that if a jinnu person touches some water, puts his hand in the water before washing it, then the water will become unclean. Meaning it is tahir ghayr mutahir. The water is clean, but it is not purifying. But this is not correct. Why? Because water, like we discussed earlier in Kitab al-Wudu, is only of two types. Either it is tahir mutahir, or it is najis murajis. Either it is clean and purifying, or it is impure and something that makes impure. Okay, so water is only of two types. So a junna person, if he touches some water while his hand is clean, there's no impurity on it, the water is still clean. Can he take a bath with it? Yes. Can someone else take a bath with it? Yes. It's perfectly fine. وَأَدْخَلَ And he put who? Ibn Umar, Ibn Umar anhu, وَالْبَرَى and Bara bin Azib. Both of these companions, they entered يَدَهُ their hands tahur in the water that was for washing. وَلَمْ يَغْسِلْهَا And they did not wash the hand before. ثُمَّ تَوَضَّعَ And then they performed wudu. In other words, they were not in a state of wudu and they put their hand in the water because the hand was clean. And then they did wudu with that water, so that meant that the water was still mutahir. It was tahir as well as mutahir. Now if this is okay for wudu, it should also be okay for wuzu. وَلَمْ يَرَ إِبْنُ عُمَرَ وَابْنُ عَبَّاسٍ بَأْسًا Ibn Umar and Ibn Abbas, they did not see any harm بِمَا يَنْتَضِحُ مِنْ غُسْلِ الْجَنَابَةِ With that which splashes back or drops from the ghusl of janaba. Meaning if a person is taking a ghusl and as a result, the water is splashing off of his body. And let's say the water ends up on a wall or on a piece of cloth or on a towel, on the mat, on the floor of the washroom, on another person, on a bottle of shampoo, whatever. Is that object unclean now? No. Even though that water has splashed off of the junior person? Yes. That let's say if a person has his clothes hanging or towel hanging or something like that and as he's taking a bath, the water, you know, it's it sprinkled off, it's splashed off onto the clothes and they got a little bit wet. Now a person might say, but I was in the state of Janaba. Still, that water is not unclean. Why? Because your body is clean. It will only be considered unclean if there is impurity on it. And the impurity you're supposed to wash off at the beginning. And if that impurity is washed off, then there's no problem. Okay. And besides, many scholars, they considered money to be clean anyway. Okay. So if such is on the body of a person, then there is no problem. If the water splashes back onto the clothes or on another person, then that water is also clean. So what's the main lesson over here? That the hand, the body of the Juno person are not unclean. And the touch of the Juno person is also clean. Because like it was mentioned earlier, the purpose of this bath is not to necessarily clean the body because the body may already be clean. The purpose is something different. Spiritual 
cleanliness. Okay? That state of impurity does not get transferred. Impurity can be, but state of impurity cannot be. Impurity like if there is actual najasa, and if it falls on somebody, yes, that is a problem. But if a person is in the state of impurity and they touch something or someone or the water that has touched them touches something else or someone else, then that state of impurity cannot be transferred. That without this knowledge, a person can be so ignorant. These matters are minute, but at the same time, they're so important. Because if you think about it, it's these matters which put us in doubt because of which we make our lives difficult. We feel that, oh, but the water splashed onto the towel. Is the towel clean now? The water splashed onto the shampoo bottle. Don't touch these bottles, anybody. The bath toys, the kids' bath toys have to be removed, have to be put elsewhere, otherwise they'll become nudges. No. Life is easy. Our deen is yusr. It removes that constriction, that burden. You know, it gives you peace of mind, all of this knowledge. The body of the menstruating woman is not unclean either. Okay, even that is not unclean. You know, which is why when Aisha radiallahu was asked to bring the prayer thing, she, she was told that the haid is not in your hand, meaning your hand is clean. So likewise, a Juna person also, his hand is clean. I don't remember, I think it was Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. It reminds me of an incident, I'm not sure about the, the details, but the Prophet sallallahu asked him where he was and he said that I was in state of Janaba so this is why I didn't come and he said that the believer does not layanjus, he does not become impure so you can still greet me you can still come and be with the people just because a person is in the state of Janaba he is not impure okay he is not unclean he just needs to take a bath and that's it to be able to pray but otherwise it's okay everything is fine the water that a person uses for washing himself is for three purposes. One is for tahara wajiba, meaning to obtain cleanliness that is wajib, that is mandatory. Like for example, a person has to pray, so he has to do wudu if he doesn't have wudu. A person is in state of janaba, he has to take ghusl. Okay? So this water even, that a person is using to obtain tahara wajiba, if this splashes off of the person's body and falls onto someone else or something else, is that water still clean? Yes, it is. The second type of water is for tahara mustahabba, meaning for tahara that is preferred to have. So for example, a person does wudu before reciting Quran. Okay, it is mustahab. It's not wajib, but it is mustahab. According to some scholars, the ghusl of Jumu'ah is mustahab. So if a person is taking a bath for Jumu'ah, then again, the water that will splash off of the person's body, that again is tahir, it is clean. And the third is for tabarruk, meaning for blessing. Meaning a person is washing not for the sake of tahara, but to get the reward. So for example, your hands are clean, but you're just about to start eating. So what's the sunnah that you? Wash your hands, even though your hands are perfectly clean, still. Likewise, a person pours zamzam on his body. Not for purification, but for barakah. Again, the, the zamzam that will fall down, or that will splash off onto someone, is that clean? Yes, it is clean. So any kind of water that a person is using to wash himself, whatever that reason is, it could be for tahara wajiba, for mustahabba, for tabarruk, whatever, the splashes are tahir. So in other words, if the water is mutahir, then its splashes are also mutahir, even if it is used by someone. This is why in Kitab al-Wudu we learned that even the water that 
comes out of the mouth of a person, even that is clean. حدثنا عبد الله بن مسلمة أخبرنا أفلح عن القاسم عن عائشة قالت she said كنت أغتسل أنا والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم I used to take a bath with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم من إناء واحد from the same from one bucket تختلف أيدينا فيه our hands would alternate in it meaning we would take turns in taking the water out of the bucket so Obviously, if two people are taking a bath at the same time in close proximity, it's inevitable that the splashes will fall onto one another and that the splashes will fall back into the container as well. So they considered it fine to do that. So it's a proof that this is perfectly fine. And also besides, if you think about it, if both are alternating, taking turns one by one, obviously one will go first and the other will go second. So whoever would start first, wouldn't that cause the water to become impure? No, that won't. The water is still clean. The touch of a junub does not make the water unclean. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا حماد عن هشام عن أبيه عن عائشة قالت she said كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا اغتسل من الجنابة when he would take a bath from جنابة غسل يده he would wash his hands. So he would also do that. Sometimes he would wash his hands first and other times he wouldn't depending on whether the hands were clean or not. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة عن أبي بكر بن حفص عن عروة عن عائشة قالت she said كنت أغتسل أنا والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. I used to take a bath. I and the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم من إناء واحد from the same bucket من جنابة from جنابة meaning taking a bath of جنابة. وعن عبد الرحمن بن القاسم عن أبيه عن عائشة مثله. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة عن عبد الله بن عبد الله بن جبر قال سمعت أنس بن مالك يقول he said كان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would والمرأة and a woman من نسائه from his women meaning one of his wives يغتسلاني they would both take a bath من إناء واحد meaning the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would take a bath with one of his wives from the same bucket زاد مسلم ووهب عن شعبة من الجنابة so all of these ahadiths, they prove that the touch of a junub is not unclean, which is why the water that he touches is clean. And if the water splashes off from his body and falls onto something or someone or some place, then that is clean. It does not need to be cleaned up afterwards. About taking a bath together, that shows that he would sometimes wash his hands. Okay, And also to wash your hand, you have to touch the water. And then he would wash the rest of the body. Okay, he would begin by washing the hands first. And to wash the hands, you have to touch the water. So the water does not become unclean. Meaning somebody does not have to pour the water on you. Imagine, if the junub was unclean, meaning the touch of the junub was unclean, then everything would be unclean. Not just the washroom, but everything. So the deen is very, very simple. Very practical. Very easy. It's a blessing. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it a ni'mah. وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي Because if the deen was not like this, it would not be a blessing, it would be a burden. So it's truly a blessing which we need to be grateful for. And you cannot be grateful for something until you know it. Until you do its dhikr. Right? With the heart and also with the tongue. So learning the deen, this is also appreciation of the blessing. You know, looking at a blessing, acknowledging the blessing is the first step to being grateful for it. So learning it is a part of being grateful and then not just learning but also applying. 
Because when you apply it, when you use it, that's when you really feel grateful. Because you feel how easy the deen is. And if it wasn't the case, how difficult our lives would be. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa